0: Welcome to the Zero Hour Podcast, sponsored by Beecher Madam, the podcast that gives you the insights, techniques, and tools into top guests from the cybersecurity, governance, forensic, and data world. Welcome to the latest episode of the Zero Hour Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Sharman. Today, we are joined by Thomas Fisher. Thomas has more than 25 years of experience. He has a unique view on enterprise security, with experience across multiple domains from policy, risk management, secure development, and enterprise incident response. Thomas has held roles varying from a security architect for a large Fortune 500 company to consultant for both industry vendors and consulting organisations. He is an active part in the InfoSec community, including being a director of Security B-Size London. Hope you enjoy it. <music>
1: Richie Madden are recruiters
0: for cybersecurity and corporate governance professionals. Leveraging our long held relationships, industry knowledge, and data driven approach, we help companies and candidates make better
1: hiring decisions.
0: Hi, Thomas. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Hi, Carl. Nice to be here. So, tell me, where were you born? So, I was actually born in France in the south of France to be precise but I grew up um, I grew up all over the world though I mean I had the chance to actually migrate uh, at first to the UK into the US so I've, I've got a very international experience which it just led me to have a very good broad background and, and better understanding of of learning new cultures and learning new things.
0: Did you did you try different places because of your parents?
1: Uh, initially, yes, because of my parents, and I've kept I've kept that kind of up myself. Um, I like the aspect of change. I mean, we live in a like, – think even in in work, you know, things are constantly changing. Businesses are constantly changing. I, I like to be able to change and just have something new and something innovative. You know, just just to get into into a different different area, just get a different to to learn new different things. It's it's always fun. It's always a challenge too
0: of course so what was your education like if you were travelling around a lot when you were younger uh,
1: so actually interestingly enough i was i happened to be uh, travel uh, put into local schools so my i w- i wasn't brought up i wasn't brought up or raised and and Educated in a traditional French way, so actually every country that I visited, I ended up in the local school. So in the end, I actually got a high school diploma because that's where I was in. I was in the US when I was when I graduated high school, and I went on to an American university. Um, originally, I studied in a bit in the US, but then I moved back to Paris actually to finish my education in Paris at the American University of Paris. So,
0: what nationality would you say you
1: are? <laughs> uh, I am. I mean, I'm French. I, I like being French. Um, you know, I, I I kind of have my my French streak. You know, the food, the the culture, the wine. So that's that's basically my nationality. But I consider myself non-national. I don't I don't really care about the country or the you know representing a country is is. Is less of an interest for me. I mean, it's the uh, when I tell people I'm French, and the reason I stayed, I stayed French is because of the culture more than anything else.
0: So, when was the first time you let's say bumped into cybersecurity for the first time?
1: So the first time I bumped into a security was actually when I was working out in Asia, and we needed to. Um, build secure networks in uh, in 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 China. So the company was uh, opening um, affiliates in China, and at that time you had to be with a partner. So we wanted to secure our network versus the partner's network to 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 contain and to protect uh, intellectual property. Um, The funny thing is, back in those days, I mean, you had very little choices in in how you would actually do uh, local area network segregation. And most of it boiled down to, to at the time, it was Freecom switches that only really did this. You'd you'd buy a Freecom switch and do uh, Mac-based authentication. today you wouldn't even consider that as a security solution you know you wouldn't even consider putting that into your, into your security mostly because it's just it's no longer viable as you know we know that it's easy to bypass you can get you know you can get around it quite easily so it you know things have evolved since then and we have much better technologies but you know it was fun trying trying to get this stuff to work together
0: of course so what would you say cybersecurity is to you
1: um, so f- for me, I see it as an enabler. Um, we need to. Uh, I mean, th- there's different perspectives, right? So I-, I tend to think about how can cyber se- well security solutions and cybersecurity solutions help enable a company to-, to carry out its business in a safe and secure manner. Um, yeah, any wherever it is, whatever it is, or you know, just it- avo- avoiding that aspect of how is this going to stop my security you know how is this going to stop my business what happens if this and my you know i can't do my i can't do business so i see that security aspect as being an enabler helping you helping businesses drive you know drive forwards not you know and not being as the the culture of no then you have the other aspect which is more of oh we must defend against the malicious actors right and malicious actor being somebody external you know can think you can straight away think of apt groups right so that's the big word you know it's like oh i I've got an APT in my in my in my network, but the reality is is that you know you've got that and you've have internal threats as well, and the internal threats actually are, are, can be more interesting because they're harder to actually uh, you know I'd say they are almost. As hard or harder to actually contain, because you don't know what a internal malicious person is going to do, and a person, you know, uh, you know, somebody who's an employee for many years can suddenly turn on you and be ext- you know, can potentially impact you in a, you know, in a way that's quite hard. Um, so y- you've got to balance all of these things together, uh, but. My, my thoughts my feelings is that we can only do this is if security is part of the whole process and part of as an as, and is taken as an enabler
0: so on what you just said would you say individuals probably lead to the
1: biggest threats individuals can be one of the biggest threats I mean i've seen over the years i've seen different you know different aspects when you have the traditional threat which is somebody taking uh you know taking taking data home and losing it by accident right so everybody thinks about that and they try to protect and you can usually find solutions then you've got the you know the, the ulterior motive threat so somebody who's leaving the company who wants to hurt the company from a pr perspective from from a, from a you know from a visualization perspective make them look bad then you of course you have the the guy who suddenly becomes Who morally objects to what the company's doing and you know we've seen some of that recently whichever way you want to look at it but people are actually stealing data leaking it to the press to demonstrate that the company that they're working for well by now they probably were working for um is is morally questionable right and they're doing morally questionable act activities and that's that's why i think you know for me that's that's an aspect that's that's really detrimental to an organization and to the business because uh, you know an APT group uh, that you know what they're after. You know, they're trying to get into your system. They're trying to own your systems. They're trying to potentially uh, steal your data to sell it back to you or to sell it on the dark web. And uh, an insider, you know, an insider or a malicious party—if it's, like, if it's a, an individual malicious party who's upset with the with the business or is upset with the company—can do a lot more harm. And if you think about right now, right? So the GDPR, uh, you know, it's coming about there's one of the aspects of the GDPR is uh, subject access requests, right? So subject access requests allows any individual uh, European, you know, an European uh, resident or European citizen to go to a company and say, you know, tell me what my data is, uh, delete me from your records and things like that. I mean, you know, think about this. It's like companies, how are they going to respond to this, right? How do they have processes in place and things like that? But, if you're if you if you've left the company or you've you you work you know you you buy products and you don't like the products, you know you can go back and, and ask for this information and essentially discover thing you know f- potentially put this 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 organization in non-compliance with the GDPR, and then all you have to do is report them to the ICO, and that just that'll just deliver a chain of events that will basically you know not cripple, but will significantly hurt the organization because they're going to be, you know, under the, they're going to be audited, they're going to be under government scrutiny, things like that. So, I mean, it's a bit far-fetched, but if you think about it, what, it, we're opening, we're kind of opening a door. If we're not careful, to allow people to basically almost take you to court for 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 a simple reason that you can't give them the information that you can, that you have on them or you're using their information in the wrong way. And so, this is I I think companies need to realize that and start to change their vision on on the, on the fact that an individual user can be just as destructive as a malicious group like you know like an APT group or something like that.
0: So, what would you say are the most other common threats that you that you'd see on a maybe daily basis? Uh,
1: I mean, typically you know, the I, it's not a threat, but when I look at how uh, you know why uh, APT groups get in, why all these threat actors actually can get in, it, it's because we still haven't really solved the problem of of phishing attacks, right? Being mm. able to to get users to actually understand the difference. between email on a fake email, it's hard. I mean, because well, blaming the user because we don't necessarily give them the right tools. And by tools, I don't mean necessarily technological solutions. Like I mean, also you know, proper education, proper when you know, proper understanding of what they should or should not be doing. And it's the same thing. We have we've got passwords. I mean password reuse, you know, bad passwords, we're we're still dealing with that on a day-to-day basis, right? I mean, yes, these aren't threats, but in in a sense, there are threats to the the ability of a business, you know, of of an organization to carry out business in a secure manner, in a safe manner, and to protect themselves from those external threats that, you know, we typically see every day, right? Um, So, uh, I think that Sometimes we over-focus, maybe because there's a drive by, by vendors, there's a drive by the news to focus on certain areas or aspects, but we would be in a much better place if we could actually solve some of the basic problems, problems that we've been trying to solve for years, and we haven't, you know, passwords, um, getting users to not open bad attachments, or getting users to think before they click on a link, right? Um, we still suffer from that. It's... Hey, I mean, for Christ's sake, it's 2018, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like w- we've been talking about this for years, and we still we're still having problems resolving it, right? And and that's where uh, and I appreciate you know companies like Microsoft, Apple, uh, you know, by locking down certain systems and making it better, they're making it easier for 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 uh, for users to to better understand. But we have to do better, and for me, better is is, is going back to that enabling the business right if we can find better ways of of helping the business users understand right from wrong and if we can demonstrate you know if we can give them the, the right tools so that they that they make more better informed decisions, we'll we'd be in a better position and we'd have you know we, we'd be less afraid of some of these uh, some of these threat actors.
0: Do you think any of these threats will ever go away?
1: Um, no, they're just evolving. I mean, I, I, would say, you know, and I've said this before in, in, in certain discussions, it's, um, I don't think threats have really changed, right? They've just evolved, um. Some of them have become more complicated. Some of them are still very simple because we haven't solved some of the simpler, simpler aspects of uh, uh, some of the simpler vulnerabilities that we we have in in any in infrastructure or in the organization. But overall, I mean, there's, it's a continuity, right? We're just the actors are just finding different ways, new ways to do the same things, which is uh, at the end of the day is you know. Try to try to get into an organization to do damage, right? And damage can be anything from, you know, den- denial of service to uh, data leakage, you know, to or to just credential dumping, right?
0: How can we keep moving forwards in order to prevent attacks?
1: So. That's a good question. <laughs> how, how how do we keep moving forwards? Um, so we need we need to look at this as a whole, right? Stop focusing on the individual aspects of it. I mean, we we tend to take decisions based on on oh, you know, like uh, this this vulnerability exists in my organization. You know, this vulnerability was just announced. We have to patch quickly, and we have to we have to fix everything before before we get taken over. Um, we shouldn't be looking at it in that simplistic simplistic way. I think we need to have a more holistic approach, right? Looking at um, what what is the real impact of this, right? Where do I need to concentrate my efforts to make sure that number one, uh, my end users understand the you know potentially understand the risk and avoid being being compromised, or and number two that we that we 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 focus our our attention and we focus our resources because. to to the right in the right areas and that's the problem is that today you know we're in an industry that's that's growing rapidly because people you know more and more people realize that they they do need to have this talented staff to to help them you know protect the business and so you know there is a recruit you know there is a shortage of of candidates and one of the things that well outside of actually bringing new generations in and, and and you know mentoring them into the into the industry the, the thing is is if we stop spending our resources on 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 the you know the minutia of, of a problem and start thinking about an approach that's more fo- focused on the threats focused on the activities and we can optimize the use of those resources right we can optimize the use of those resources to better fit a a, a you know, an end-to-end protection. What do you see as the main
0: objective for any attack?
1: Uh, The main objective for any attack... I'd say it's getting a foothold into the organisation, right? So especially when you're talking about third party malicious actors right they're trying to get into the organization i mean if you look at some of these you know i I do i do a significant amount of threat research around around the the actors around some of the tool sets um some some of the ways that they, they they achieve their targets um a lot of these tool sets are made to be resident in the organization to take over the organization to be able to to do you know multiple things against you right so the, I mean, the typical one is creden- You know, the typical ones we talk about is credential dumping. Because if you can find an admin account, you basically you basically own the network, right? You own that infrastructure. Um, if you can find somebody with privileges to to some sensitive data, you can use that in a bargain as a bargaining chip to to essentially gain money, right? There's, but at the end of the day, that it's all a, it's all about monetary gain, right? Because at some point in time, they're going to use that access. They're going to blackmail you. Or, or to actually do things which will give them the ability to gain, you know, to do monetary gain on the site. So, like, if they dump your credentials, they can put the credentials on the on the dark web, sell them, and they, you know, and get some money out of that. Um, if they dump de- uh, some significant interesting data, they can get, they could potentially dump that onto, you know, onto the dark web and, and and sell it off as well.
0: We talk about innovation in terms of an attack, and we talk about innovation in terms of protecting from that attack. But would you say the more the more innovation that is being released, the more innovation that's being introduced to organization is leaving us open uh, to further attacks and more risk.
1: Yeah, so this is where we come to the problem that I was kind of hinting at at the beginning is that if we treat security as a as a separate pole as a separate entity in an organization um, m- m- my perception is that by by doing that you 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 are sh- creating that 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 sec- separation and and giving the ability of uh, of every other, of other unit's business units in the organization the ability to you know innovate yet uh, in a unsecure manner. If security was built into the whole culture, if security was built into it was in it was built to enable the business, innovation would would be driven by the business units. Yes, but would be done in a secure manner because there would be certain you know there would be certain um, non-functional requirements or there would be certain baselines that a business would need to take you know as they're innovating. Right, so it's. I suppose it's a bit catch-22 because we're in a state now of security that we you know we don't we, we, we're playing catch-up all the time so we don't you know and it's always lagging behind and we have too many people over of the culture of you know you can't do this um, while business wants to drive forward and wants to make new things wants to produce new ideas wants to wants just change its culture um, if you if you look at you know, businesses like AWS Google and things like that as fast as they are as fast as they are if they didn't have an you know, embedded culture you know the culture of uh, you know certain cultures was embedded in their, in their business right and their drives so if we can embed security in that same manner into into, into any business and embed it as 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 a as a fundamental uh, concept whenever whatever for whatever you're doing we can drive secure innovation right and and build secure innovation i mean if you think about you know one of the things that lots of people talk about innovating in, you know in 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 the internet of things right so lots of people building all these devices and everything they're not secure everybody says they're not secure because you know they they just release them when they don't care about the security they don't care about the software Mm -hmm. why is that happening if you think about why that happening is because they it's a market that's that's expanding rapidly people are, uh, are innovating incredibly fast in that domain and they're just buying you know off-the-shelf kit putting it together and just slapping you know uh, putting a software layer on it and then you know they're trying they're trying these new things and that's where you know the the problem exists is that they they're just piling all this stuff together but they don't have that security brick to to add into that into that innovation process right they don't have that like that little security black box that can, you know, that's the little security, um, you know, process that they can put into whatever they're doing, and that that's that's why I don't like this culture of, of towers, you know, where security is one aspect of the organization. No, we should be we should be driving to to look at security as, as something that's part of everything that we do.
0: So, how do we make the business more aware of this risk?
1: No, the The obvious answer is you, you work with them, you know, directly. You educate them, and you provide the support that they need. Right, so making them, part, you know, being part of their business process is is something was for me that would help. But it's very hard from from the points of view of the information security professionals because you know we have that culture of we talk different languages. Everybody this comes up regularly where people say that you know the the tech, technological guys talk different languages than the business guys. I, I don't think that's necessarily true, right? Because because uh, our environment is evolving. People are more technology savvy. New generations coming in, they're technology savvy. So to, to use that as an excuse is almost is almost cliche now and 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 wrong what we need to do uh, well from the information security professionals point of view what needs to happen is you need to kind of stop thinking about just information security you need to start understanding what the business does understanding how the business works understanding how to talk to you know talking outside of technology that's for me that's an important part being able to network with people that aren't in your domain and understand, you know, what their concerns are, what they're talking about, and talking that same language. And by language, I don't necessarily mean words. I mean, you know, the concepts, the 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 field, the under, you know, the the underlying concerns that they have. Being able to address those, being able to to talk to them the way that they you know that they think, so you know if we talk risk, right? I mean, um, the classic the classic example that I talk about, you know, that I give is that um, with risk, if you're talking risk to somebody in oil and gas. Um, they have a certain set of risk patterns, right? And the risk can go from anything from just, you know, an inconvenience all the way to, you know, loss, loss of life. And so their, their evaluation of risk is completely different from ours, right? Because we, as an information security, we look at, oh, you know, the risk is, that, you know, well, we, can, we can mitigate it and we can say, okay, this, is, this can be controlled or, you know, we go up to, you know, maybe loss of revenue or loss, you know, loss of service and things like that. Um, so if you try to, you know when when you tr- when you're talk- when you're trying to talk about this i mean we're talking about a business a business owner which, uh, when you're talking to a business owner about risk w- what's going to happen is, is that you need we kind of need to find a, a, a in between ground where we translate what we see as risk versus what they see as risk to put it back into perspective right so being able to match into to, to match into their risk matrix to say okay so if you know if this happens because we have uh, you know we have this technology in place it has the potential to to maybe stop the production for 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 this activity if we stop the production for this activity we know that there's this amount of you know this potential amount of loss or this potential amount of harm to the, to the organisation. So, bringing that back into, you know, into perspective of, of, of business risk and business drivers for me is quite important. Because if you if you can do that, then people will be more receptive, and you know there's, there'll be a fundamental way of actually trying to build this new secu- a new security culture in, in an organisation.
0: Does that change if you're communicating threats
1: to the business? No, I don't think so. I mean, um, so yeah, I, I think we 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 have too many different, you know, potentially too many definitions of threat, right? Mm. Um, we have too many different concepts of threat. If you talk about, yeah, you know, I've been working lately on a bit on some threat modeling technologies, looking at threat modeling technologies. So yeah, when we talk about threat modeling, what we want to do is we want to we want to model that, we want to describe the threats as the business would understand them, right? So, you know, let's say you're an e-commerce site. One of the threats will be something like, oh, you know, um, the user can't log into, uh, can't log in you know, can't log into his account, right? So that is, tech, that is a threat to your business because if the user can't log into his account, he can't, you know, purchase things or he can't manage, manage his purchases or he can't manage his production schedule, things like that. So that is a little bit of a threat to the business, right? Because if you can't log in, you can't do your work, right? Or you can't, you're not gonna sell any and you're not gonna get any money. So when we do when we look at that aspect if boiling it down to that level of understanding and threat modeling to that level of understanding makes it e- easier for the, for the business to understand what you're trying to achieve because if you then go back and tell them well okay so we know that if you know if something happens to, to the login interface we know that these systems are affected, so we need to protect these systems, and these are the potential consequences. Um, what can affect these systems? Well, we could look at, uh, you know, a denial of service. You know, with denial of service, uh, we could look at potentially uh, somebody resetting the user database or somebody, you know, deleting the user database. Um, these are all things that can be then translated into scenarios to explain to, to the business, so like what what could happen or why this is happening or why it would happen. Um, so furthering that education aspect where you're, you're explaining to them that you know, if you, if we take precautions to protect the login interface, we can get rid of this threat and we can, we can understand. And it also helps, for me, it, it also helps to better understand what needs to be mitigated and what needs to be accepted as, as, as a risk um, because the business will have a better idea of, of the real consequences and the real impact. And that's that's one of the things that we're missing. I mean, we think about oh the impact of the system. We think about the impact of the network. We think about the impact to the to the to the user's endpoint. But we don't think about we, we don't necessarily think about the end, the end impact to the business. If we could translate the you know the, our threat modeling, our threats and and our and our risk at risk attitudes to mapping it to what could happen to the business, we'd have a better conversation with business. How would you
0: how would you go about finding weaknesses? in a business
1: so I'd start by uh, doing some threat modeling right so understanding what the business what the business is um, what they rely on in terms of of solutions um, threat model around that then look at the potential risks uh, identify what you know what's key. What what are key, what are the key areas where you need to we need to look at the risks, and then start to look at doing an assessment. An assessment can be an audit, can be a, a vulnerability scan, could be all sorts of things, right? From there, build a, a targeted set of activities and actions um, based on priority, based on 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 the risk that it could actually do to the business. And prioritise those those activities around around that concept of ensuring that you enable the you know you're enabling the business to, to carry on.
0: So moving on from that, what techniques would you recommend to help businesses be able to uh, detect threats, for example?
1: I think that to to really detect threats, um, businesses need to have a coherent um, incident management and incident response uh, process in place and have the right tools, not only tool tool sets, but also people. Um, A lot of this is going to be based on your people, based on your ability to analyze data, based on your ability to analyze information that's coming in from all sides. you know, we talk about threat hunting today. You know, threat hunting is an interesting concept where you're looking. You know, but you you have to have, or, or an already good incident response process, an already good good. It, architecture in place now actually detecting it is you're really going to rely on all the information that you can gather either from your technologies that are deployed be it a network level you know network level in technology like a you know a switch router or a firewall to application technologies which could be anything from event logs on a you know on the windows machine to uh actual application activity you know logging the application activity to see you know when an admin's in, uh, it's logged on and things like that, um, then you get, you really need to be able to analyze that information. The problem that you get to that point, when you get to that point, is you, you're, you're creating a lot of data. You're creating an enormous amount of data. So you're going to feed it into something like a you know like a log management system or a sim uh, but still it's still a lot of data you got you got to start to think about how you're going to weed that out between things that you know things that you can handle things that you you understand versus the, the unknowns um, and the unknowns are the more interesting ones to you know that you'll that you'll have to deal with over time because those are the ones that are actually going to that have potentially more impact because the things that you know you can quickly handle you can quickly push, push off onto the response and get it fixed. You know, in some cases it might even be just making sure that all your security technologies are updated. Um, the things that are unknown have never been seen before by anybody. So you might not, you know, you probably don't have a process to handle it. You probably don't understand what's actually going on. So you need to deep digger and find out everything about that, that, a, that, a, that potential a, a, a attack or a threat. And, you know, it, What's important, too, is that you have access not only to the information that you're driving, but also external information. So there's a lot of good indicators uh, of compromise out there or indicators of, of, you know, threat indicators and threat, you know, threat intelligence out there. You need to bring that in as well uh, and marry it with the data that you're generating now the problem with those with a lot of those that threat intelligence is that it's some sometimes it can be very generic and sometimes it can be very specific to an industry but some of it is is you know for lack of a better word garbage uh, versus the few things that you actually need to, to really understand. And so part of the process of doing that is, is integrating threat intelligence, is, is the ability to actually understand what's key for your business, what's key for your organization, which, which things should you be looking at and which things can you can you ignore because then they would never, well, I won't say never, but would have little impact or have little, little significance to to what, to what your business does
0: how would you move that on to the next step in terms of actually managing that threat and dealing with it?
1: By threat, you mean something that's actually, um, well, something that's, that's that's hindering you, right? So that's something yes. that's attacking your business.
0: Yeah, um, it's attacking the business, yes.
1: Yeah. So um, there, I mean, it's the instant response process. You know, you, you have to have the right driver for you know the right incident response process. Uh, it's something I've been talking a lot about lately uh, as well because um, some of the new you know legislations on data protection are forcing us to to kind of rethink that incident response process. You know, typically. It, we we look at in incident sort of response we'll look at some of the activities around so you know um, how did they get in what did they do uh, or wh- what tools did they use let's find the tools let's protect ourselves against those tools or, you know let's let's protect against ourselves against the activities and we only as an afterthought do we start to look at what did they actually do right what how ha- what happened once they compromised my environment and that needs to be actually brought to the forefront um, so. I mean, to handle a threat, you need to build that incident response team. You need to have a good incident response team. You need to build those processes and procedures around that incident response as well. I mean, it's all about... Being systematic, careful, you know, documenting, uh, looking at your accountability and what how you're handling the incident. Sometimes you, you, you'll need to work with law enforcement, so you have to have the right contacts. You have to have the right kind of thinking of how you're actually going to manage the data that you're collecting, so that you so that it you'll be able to use it in a legal, you know, in in. in if it goes to court, or if it needs to be taken by, for, by a third party, for for legal matters.
0: And we talked a lot about organisations, but we haven't really touched on the individual. So, how can an individual protect themselves from these types of threats? <laughs> oh,
1: the ultimate question, right? I <laughs> it, You know, living in the UK, you know, I've seen some some of, you know, the national, you know, the NCSE doing, um, you know, advertising and, and trying to educate people about their risks of being online. Um, yeah, we need to, I mean, ultimately, it, it's all about education, right? It's all about understanding, you know, what you should and shouldn't do with your tools. Um, we could also ask, I mean, you know, and, and they could be the responsibility of the ISPs or the responsibility of the mobile operators, because ultimately that's how an individual gets to, gets gets online, right? If you talk about a business individual, I mean we've already really discussed that in to uh, quite a fair bit, uh, you know. And that's there's two aspects of that, right? So how to behave properly in business, but also I think yeah you know, businesses could do a lot to help them right to educate them how to behave outside of outside of the business as well right so what should they do, should they do or not do at home um, you know how do you how do you teach your kids to be safe online I mean that's something that could be a real plus for for businesses to provide as a type of education to their to their employees right what about
0: specific physical events do you, do you see that leading to more, uh, you know, further cyber threats such as the Olympics, the World Cups, the, the different the different events that uh, that occur worldwide, the global events? Maybe we call them.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, it's definitely a vector, right? So, the, the malicious parties are going to use that vector because it's it's attractive, right? Um, the if if you can craft your messaging and if you can craft your attacks uh, to include those global events, you're more likely to get a hit. Mostly because people are interested, right? So if you send out phishing emails saying, "Oh, I've got like, you know, I've got a, an extra ticket for," for the royal you know the royal wedding let's put, let's put ourselves in the mood right uh, for the royal <laughs> wedding in a couple of weeks it's like uh, you know uh, if you click on this link you can you know you can bid for it I mean how many people do you think will click on it quite a few right because there mm-hmm. you know there's there's a there's a certain you know fundamental voyeurism and, and fundamental want to participate in embedded in, in human culture right so they, there's I, I thought, you know, I've, I've compared it in the past to, to, um, you know, to the old days when they used to do public executions, you know, pl- public floggings and things like that. Yeah, you know, why did people come out? I mean, it's not—it's not very pretty, right? I mean, to think about it. Why—why why, why did people go? Why did people go? They went because you know it was an event. It was something that was—they were attracted to it because you know lots of people would be there, you know, or or they—you know—they want to see what what's happening, right? Because they've never seen it before. Uh, so that there's there's that aspect of curiosity that's embedded in our you know, in our in our Genes, right, in our human genome, to, to be curious and, and using events where you're naturally curious um, is quite you know it's quite click to click, right? It's it's quick to click. I mean, sometimes I have to hold myself back. I mean, you know I see I see these uh, some of these articles on, on on websites like oh this happened in this place and oh this is the cool picture of this cat or the, this you know volcano erupting. You sit there and you think, and you're like, oh, what? maybe I should click on this, right, just to check it out, because I'm curious.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think, uh, I think I can see that massively with, with us all. So, tell me this, Thomas, out the attacker and the organisation or the individual, who do you think will end up winning? I
1: think, we'll, I think ultimately, I mean will win right because um uh, the uh, if you think about wanna cry right if you think about wanna cry want cry was kind of wake up call ransomware right so we saw you know it just exploded um it was all over the news and it woke people up because fine you know finally there was an impact big enough um, the to to actually make the news, so that it was like it was, the impact was you know was felt by a lot of people, and that helped because, I mean, you know, despite some of the reports saying oh well, they found so many x ransomware variants this year or, or, or last year, the, the, the truth of the matter is is that when you look at it, we. We, we're seeing less massive impact ransomware attacks, right? There's, uh, we've, we've taken the steps and we've taken the measures to, 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 look, at it, to look at it again, right? To, 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 circumv- to stop potentially a massive attack of that nature coming back because we're aware of it now, right? Being aware of something is, is a key, f- for me, is a key fundamental aspect of, of being able to evolve and grow and, and to, to get to a point where we can you know, we can be, you know, we will we'll win, right? Because once you're aware, you, you, you'll you take action. You know, you'll you put the money in to, to hire the right people. You put the money in to deploy the right tool sets, to re, you know, to re, re up your game.
0: Thomas, what I didn't tell you was that we finished the podcast with the same 10 quick fire questions. Uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Let's go. So what turns you on professionally?
1: Uh, Innovation and and new technology. What turned you off professionally? Uh, I'd say lack of collaboration. A lack of people not taking their responsibilities seriously. How do you unwind? How do I unwind? Yeah. Um, I usually phase out in front of the TV.
0: (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. What profession other than your own would you like to try?
1: What profession other than my own would I like to try? Ah, bartender on a beach. Oh, that sounds great right now. What
0: activity gives you the most energy?
1: I think some of the things that I do personally are, you know, in, in technology. drive It gives me a lot of energy. Who is your biggest inspiration? Hmm. I haven't really thought about that one. Uh... I'd say there there are a few. I don't think there's one in particular. I you know I can think of Stephen Hawking, Elon Musk, uh, uh, Steve Jobs, people that have driven innovation, right, or driven new ideas. Mm. Um, if if anything that that would you know, those types of people. I mean yeah, I can always go all go all the way back to Einstein, right. I mean, that aspect of creativity and trying to find you th- to find new ideas and new things that that's, that's kind of what I would, it inspires me.
0: If you had to present a speech right now, what one word would be its subject? Blase. You are at your best when you were doing what? Uh, Tech. Last two questions. Now they get difficult. If today was the last day of your life, what one lesson would you like to impart? Don't give up. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say as the reason He is letting you through the gates?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that one, I don't know. <laughs> There's
0: nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, perfect. So, Thomas, tell us where can people find your work? Uh, how can people get in contact with you?
1: The easiest way is to to ping me on Twitter, actually, or or LinkedIn, but Twitter's better. So my handle on Twitter is um, at FVT, so Foxtrot Victor Tango.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you for your time. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For the latest episodes, please subscribe, and for future conversations, reach out on Twitter and LinkedIn.